Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is AJ Faleri and I have not read the series and I'm reading it for the first time along with my best friend and closest confidant, Peter Bond. Oh, the ultimate plot twist coming for you, baby. What's up? Number one on the call sheet today. What up? <laughs> what is this fucking accent? <laughs> also here is the Morty to my Rick. India Jones. Okay, love to hear it. That's me. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, the Gaba to my ghoul, Joshua Deep. Oh, oh, even the middle name today. Damn. Hello, I'm here and very hungover. This is the energy I will be bringing. <laughs> A Gaba right, ghoul. So Josh, you Gaba your last ghoul, Josh. Also, also, AJ, my fucking audacity does not look good. I'm just warning you now. It does not. My look my good. silent my silence is ha- oh shit. That's why it's doing that god. It's doing that fucking thing where um it auto adjusts the volume of my mic. Yeah, I see. I All see right. you fucking doing it. You know what? I'm leaving this in the podcast. I'm I'm the host today. I'm the editor. AJ's Everybody god. also needs to know what I deal with. So this is. <laughs> I think that's this is good, how it goes. You know, this is a good look into the life. All right, AJ. I have fixed the problem. Great. Wonderful. Uh, so today, this is obviously a Malazan read-through podcast where we read through the Malazan Book of the Fallen series. Today, we are talking about Reaper's Gale, chapters 10, 11, and 12, 140 pages of what I think the some of the best chapters of the book. Wow. You say that every time. I don't think I've ever said that. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So I uh, didn't think of an intro bit. So Pete, you are counting something fierce. He's talking to himself. <laughs> I don't know why. One, two, and he hears us, and he's just yeah. ignoring us. I feel like us. we're like a beautiful mind right now. AJ, like, you got to cut it off from the show. I was trying to see if I remembered my Spanish numbers. That's what I was going on. Sorry, you, that I was doing that while you were intro in the dude, show. Dude, this accent, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind. We're doing, we're doing it. Chapters. Dies, once and dose. That's what I was trying to say. But uh, so that's what I was like. I should say that. And then I was like, wait a second. What are the fucking. Now that we've got that figured out, why don't we get yeah, right into it? That was a bad it? intro. Should we say something? Any, should we maybe say something funny? Josh is hungover. That could be fun. Yeah, Josh, why are you hungover? Uh, drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, you drank a lot of alcohol last night. Yeah. So now, and now his body. Now my body is betraying him. So you've poisoned yourself all night, exactly. and now your body is trying to get rid of the poison that you put into it. When I'm really hungover, I will sometimes get a bag of fluids. Get an IV. Let's go. Yeah, you've told you've told me this before, and it's insane yeah. shit. And I feel fine after. Hence, yeah. why I know it is dehydration. Yeah, it is dehydration. You're right. My good friend is a nurse, and she has she has offered that to us on days when we are fucking, you know, unusable. Incredible. But here's it's a fun, so now here's a fun okay, yeah. nurse friend story. So one time when I was hiking, <laughs> I decided to open a bottle of red wine with a pocket knife. So uh, that didn't go well, and I put the pocket knife into my finger pretty bad. So then, That's on and like I'm in the middle of the woods, uh, so I'm like, get it up, and it stopped bleeding, but it looked pretty bad. So I decided I called my friend and and I described my finger to them and asked them if I should get go to the hospital or not. It was a good choice. I stand by it, and my finger's still on me. So I take it you didn't go to the hospital. I didn't go to the hospital, and uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I'd call my nurse friend again. Feels like a bad choice, you know. Feels like I'm overstepping a boundary, you know. So now that we've uh, redacted thirty percent of this intro, <laughs> let's get into it with the first chapter today. 
Chapter 10 Hedge is wandering through somewhere. He's been arguing with the wind who just wants to play a game. He finds the skeleton of a dragon, the third he's seen. Farther along the trail, Hedge finds tracks ahead of him. The wind tells them they're tracks of a broken Talana mass. Twilight, Varret Tawn, and the Mocker Senior Assessor ride out from Letharis. They observe the aftermath of the previous night's slaughter. Tawn thinks about Icarium and Terralac Veed. He decides it's best for him to return to the city. The Senior Assessor follows suit. The Atrupreda rides on. Troll, Onrak, and Quickben approach the other side of the mysterious Shadow Lake. Troll notices that the path they walk has been oddly level ground. He thinks perhaps this is a drowned concourse of some sort. Quickben scoffs, but Onrak says he's seen one of this size on the peninsula of Stratum, made by the Kachain Chamal. Troll hates when everyone knows more than him, and Onrak tells him to stop being modest and reveals to Troll that he is the Knight of Shadow. Quickben opens a gate into the Warrens. Quickben searches for weak spots and senses that something has become aware of him. He is pulled through the realms to a primordial tundra. He returns to Troll and Onrak, grinning. The owner of Haradict Tavern, Valant, is in love. Shirkalal and her crew come into the tavern every night, and he sits with them, listening to their tales. Shirk sees some men who remind her of the Crimson Guard. She's been trying to get an audience with Brilliag's Shake, and Balant tells her the men have been coming and going from Brilliag's every day. Shirk thinks they're the ones who spared the island from the ice storm. She hatches a plan to see Brilliag. Saren, Kettle, and their band of not-so-merry men make their way higher into the Blue Rose Mountains. They notice the Amtos Falak magic holding the glaciers together is dying. Saren thinks Clip has taken her purpose from the group and suggests she should leave. Fear implores her not to. Udnas speaks of words unspoken, Troll's death, and Rulad's lack of honor. Fear attacks Udinas, and Saren tells Udinas if he values his life, he'll stop complimenting Fear. Kettle doesn't want to die. Tak, the man of a thousand names, rides with Red Mask's army. He thinks on his life, as well as an Aster's, how Red Mask ended up with two Kachain Shamal and redemption. He misses Tool. An elder who was around when Red Mask's sister was killed tells Red Mask he should have killed Tok when he had the chance. Red Mask pledges an end to the lethery. Stayandi recalls leaving the city for a small plain settlement. She thinks about her family's death, how she fled, and the home she found among the four-legged people. Eventually, the people flee, and she is found by a man who reminds her of her family. She follows him into the rising sun. Red Mask leaves Tok and Torrent to guard the train. 
A battle with the Lethri will be waged three leagues from the camp. Torrent argues with Tok. The All says Tok is cursed. And Tok thinks he has a point. Red Mask speaks with his warriors about the tactics they will employ in the coming battle. Natarkas thinks there is no honor in this way of fighting. Red Mask agrees, but says that this is his war, not the Elder's. And he intends to win it. So, the chapter begins with our good friend Hedge, who we have not seen since... uh, he pushed mm. or tricked Perrin. Yeah. The Warren or wherever they were in the in the last book. Turns out he's been just walking around. <laughs> he fell through some some Warrens, I think, and now is somewhere below Hood's Warren or something. It's extremely confusing. He finds a dragon. And uh Josh, how you feeling being reunited with, with your boy Hedge? It was nice. Yeah. Uh Hedge is a I, I, I really feel like uh well, you know what? Actually I take it back. I feel like <laughs> One of the things I, I find myself thinking when I read about Hedge is I find myself thinking, I, uh, I, you know, I didn't understand how important he was going to be, mm. but I feel like the book did not prepare me to know him very well. You know, he was he was like he was just one of the boys <laughs> right. in a way and I he never really to me stood out from the pack a lot in back of book three and stuff. Sure. And so I do sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what your personality is, Hedge. <laughs> I just know that you and Fiddler were boys. Yeah. Josh, I, I think you're right about it, though. I, I feel very similar. I feel like he's one of these characters at the beginning of the story that somewhat it's just like it's hedge, you know, and then it's like, let's start going. And it's, I'm like, well, wait a second. What's, you know, it's just like another thing caught in the shuffle that I feel less invested in some of those characters than maybe some of the characters that like you start with that square one and kind of go all yep. the way. Exactly. Yeah. Part of me felt like at the end of the bone hunters arc, hedge was just going to disappear into dust or something Yeah. or just be like left in the warren, and we weren't going to hear from him again until somebody like came across a skeleton later or something. You know, I didn't think we were going to get another hedge pov in this book india how you feel about hedge no um no thoughts i don't really care it was i didn't i was like oh hedge hey like not very um but i I thought he was going to be out of the book after being dead so it's like interesting that (laughs) that's true he did die he's not dead but but he's going to meet a talani ass now that's something what do you mean how do i know it literally happens in these chapters oh (laughs) he meets her and they that it was a not, person. In this, not in this chapter. How do you know it was a Talani mass? They say it straight up fully. And they're heading to they're <laughs> heading to Omtos Falak, the Warren that has their shit. India, what'd you think about the, the dragon bones in this chapter in this section? I don't fucking know. What there's always dragon bones everywhere. There's dragon bones all the time. Yeah. There's dragons everywhere. There are just dragons everywhere. Pete, should Yo. we know who these dragons are? No, right? A mystery. Okay, sure. All right. So Hedge finds these Talana mass tracks. We'll get to that later. Oh. <laughs> there we go. The pieces have come Those together. Those were the footprints. Yes. Those were the deep footprints. Yes. Uh, of the broken Talana mass. Oh. There you, you go. See, no, you're right. Like, I guess that was obvious. I just feel like it wasn't super clear, but mm. it's fine. All Maybe right. it was. Maybe I skipped that part. <laughs> Uh, so we head over and we see uh, our good friend Atri Preda Yantovis, Twilight uh, with Veriton and the the mocker who I wasn't expecting to see again. I thought the mocker was just going to disappear into the city, uh, but they're all making their way out of Letharis. Pete, how do you feel? I know that you're a big Twilight head. Okay, I I am. What do you what do you feel? What do you feel about uh, Veriton and the mocker? 
I mean, I feel fine about them. They're sideshows in the greater Twilight story, and I'm very mm. excited to talk about Twilight later on because today in chapter 12... Fucking live, live it about the Twilight show. In chapter 12, <laughs> we're finally going to start... It's like we're getting to, we're starting to get there. We're shaking it up, baby. Now let's twist and shout. We're like, oh, that's a good bit. That's a good bit. We're we're getting there. So I'm very excited to talk Twilight today. However, with Veriton and you know they're they're along for the ride. You know I do think it's kind of interesting to hear Twilight think about him and how he is conceiving of this. But ultimately, that's not what lights my fire. Yeah, Troll, Unrak, and Quickbin make it to the other side of this weird ass lake. They're a good group. They're a good group. They're a good group. A fun ride. Yeah. So Solid. what do we think? We we all we all had feelings about Troll and Onrak, various feelings in uh House of Chains. How are we feeling about adding Quickman to the group, Josh? He's good. <laughs> I agree. I think he's funny. I think he adds some comedy to their fucking drama. All they want to do is talk about how sad they are all the time <laughs> and how they understand why they're sad. It's like, oh, I'm really, I really regret this. And he's like, Yeah, I totally get it. I would regret that too. And I'm like here for you, bro. And <laughs> Quick Ben's like, can you guys shut up? Like, I'm doing some, I'm doing some shit right now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna get us where we need to be. You guys can stop reminiscing on your sad lives now. I'm, I'm so much worse than you guys. No, you're so humble. You don't troll. even get it. You know, you're always so modest. I'm not so much. I do, I do. Literally, love. it's it's the fucking worst. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. I, I do love at the end of this section when Troll and Onrak are like waxing poetic about what does a warrior do when peace is won? And <laughs> Quick Ben's just like, they go fishing, fuck off, and then disappears. It's really good. It's really yeah, good stuff. Really so good stuff. Because he's doing some shit. It's like, come on, guys, let him concentrate. He's trying to go somewhere. Yeah. Seems really hard. He's trying to separate his soul from his body. Like, <laughs> Give him a minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, and when he does separate his soul, did did any of you like have have a guess as to where he went? Like, where did you think he he ended up with this feminine energy? Not fucking Talon. Not Talon. Didn't right? That one. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we check back in with Shirk and Pretty and the rest of the crew. Yeah. Uh, they're hanging out on the island. We get it from the POV of the tavern owner who is in love with Shirk. Love so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, Really good. Uh, I I do. I was really really cold on this section last week. Uh, you were. You were throwing shade. Yeah, I really was super uninterested. But now that we've introduced the shake stuff and these other people who who are look like the Crimson Guard. Hey, where are the Crimson Guard from? Are they just kind of a ragtag group, or are they like Malazan? Or they're from Genabacus? Or they were on Genabacus? Um. Pete's thinking hard if they want to answer or not. No, I'm trying to. Hmm. So the thing is, it doesn't really seem worthwhile. They're not from here, if that's what your answer, if that's what your question is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it would be kind of interesting if they were Malazan, I guess, is is really all I was thinking. But I guess they're more similar. They're more of that part of the world than this part of the world. Yeah. So just wondering. Uh, Shirk thinks that they were the ones that threw off the ice and then makes a plan. And then we don't hear from Shirk again. Yeah. Uh, really upset about that, honestly. I really want to know what this what this plan is. Josh, how would how would you break in to see Burlig Shake or Shake Burlig? I don't know which order it's in. Uh, I don't I think I would just kind of go. I, I mean, if I'm an un, am I an undead pirate? Probably just kind of go. <laughs> I did forget about the undead part. Yeah. Yeah, that, she is. Yeah, that is fair enough. She's also a thief. So I guess she'll just break in and be all thiefy about it. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. I hope that the rest of this book 
for Shirk just turns into an Ocean Eleven style heist. That'd be really good. Be great. That'd be really good. Um, you son of a bitch. Is that an Ocean's Eleven quote? Or I was going to say, I, I like that movie a lot. I don't remember them saying that in a big, iconic no, way. No, it's a Rick and Morty quote <laughs> when they did the heist episode. Oh, okay, sorry. No, I, that's sorry, a meme. Sorry. They do meme that. So Saren and the rest of them have made their way to the Blue Rose Mountains. Yeah, Pete. This section ruled. What's up? <laughs> yeah, this section's good. This section's this, awesome. What'd you, what'd you like so much about it? It's just like... More great conversations between our great friends who all aren't having a good time with each other. But it's like it's obvious it's it's a great conversation about Fear Sengar and like is he so committed to a stupid idea that he's like wasting his whole fucking life, you know? Like, yeah. and is he so committed to some idea that he's going to save the eater, or is he so committed to this idea that he's like doing right by his dead brother? You know, that like I'm going to like hang out with this girl he gave a sword to because that's like the thing to do. Yeah, it's like it's like it's great. And yeah. like, obviously, Udonis is being a huge fucking prick here. You know, you can't say he's not kind of being an ass. You no, know? he compliments him. He says, oh, nice yeah, <laughs> he's being a real nice guy. But I just think it's a great conversation. And it was I just a really le- le- a well-written conflict that is obviously character revealing both about um, Udonis, who obviously does not believe in this type of thing and, you know, kind of weighing fear, you know. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this part. Yeah, I think, um, again, we've had similar conversations to these before where they're all talking about, like, what's my purpose in, in this group? What are we doing? Sure. Um, and I feel like this was, in some ways, another one of those. But in a way that was like saying all the quiet stuff out loud, like fear was just like, I'm doing this for my brother because I feel bad about my brother. And Saren's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's another there's a new leader. I don't know if I'm supposed like. I can't lead anymore. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what you guys think. Do you think Saren should be around? Like, what? How do you feel about her journey in this book so far? I don't think any of them know where to go, mm. so they're just like, we might as well stay together because yeah. I, I really, even in the, um, even in the book, she's like, like what you just said, Peter. The new guys, they're leading them. Like, what am I doing here? And it's like, yeah, Saren. <laughs> What are you doing here? Why don't you go get a job at and go live your life? Why are you just why, why don't you do literally anything else, bro? Sure. Literally. But also, I'm like super surprised that fear like this huge like warrior soldier his whole life he's had to fight doesn't just beat Udinas's ass. I mean, he tries. I don't. He tries in this yeah. in this section. I know, but he doesn't. It's yeah. true. He restrains himself. And it's like just one time. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like people just need one moment to just get your shit together. Udinas is so mean. And it's like, he wasn't always this mean. He wasn't always like this. I don't know when he got this ad. Like, he was this whole book. And, like, after he became not um, an indebted or whatever it's called. But I don't know. Like, he just, he needs a, he just needs a little. What, he needs, like, a punching to the face is what you're saying? I'm just, just one time. I I don't know. I I don't know if I agree in the (laughs) I'm just or, or maybe just kettle to be like, yeah, stop. Yeah, well, and I then think he'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we have to kill you. Yeah. Everybody in this group, while they're all kind of together and not really sure what their purpose is, I think they all do serve a purpose within this group. Right. Like, I think part of the reason that fear doesn't just beat the shit out of Udinas is because on some level he feels like Udinas is like, right. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I just don't feel for like sure, it goes with sure. the characterization here is all I'm saying for the characterization of fear. Yes. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just don't get don't it. That, what but... kind of soldier warrior that's like in a place where you like kill everyone? Like the Eater are not like, I don't know. It's like. Well, but know. we've only seen the Eater under this like tyrannical rule of either the no. Lock King or the crazy uh, emperor oh, yeah. god <laughs> with, the, with the magic sword. We haven't actually seen how the Eater are normally because like they were in their tribes, I guess, kind of subjugated by the, the Lethary people up until they were like, here's this big magic sword. Go do go do war. No, right? but you also like don't count as an adult until you kill someone. That so is like- also fair. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that's that's a fair, a fair rebuttal. I, it's but, not like an issue and I don't have a problem with it. It's just something that I'm just like, how, how has he not yet? How yeah. have they, how has there not been some kind of large, you know? Yeah. But whatever. Maybe he just, <laughs> maybe he's different. Maybe he's just, he's just not like other girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did like Udinas's, I don't have any quotes or anything, but I did like Udinas's whole uh, monologue about the words unspoken. Oh yeah, and I that like was how great. I was immediately defused by fear. It was like, thank goodness you didn't say the unspoken words. Really good. I, I, I highlighted that too. I liked it a lot. Josh, you have any thoughts about this? No, this scene didn't really stick out to me as much. Really? I think the, la- the later scene with them really did did a lot for me, but this one, not so much. All right. So we we head over to the all camp. Talk is doing some thinking. Uh, Red Mask is getting a scolding by an elder about oh, yeah. how he should have he should have killed Talk. Yeah, uh, fuck this we, elder. Yeah, say, what do we think guy. about this elder? Yeah, oh. this shit is a shithead. He's a shithead. I don't. I just. I don't think he's a shithead. I just feel like he doesn't. It, it wasn't that like deep. I feel. I just feel like he's like, yeah, you should have killed him. You got to kill him, and then we'll be free. Mm. He's just giving his opinion. He's not like he like fully. Is like I'm gonna blackmail you if you don't kill this fool. No, but not in a bad way. He's like, if you just, <laughs> uh, Indy, I would love you to explain how you blackmail. can blackmail in a good way. No, no, guys, guys. He's like, if you are good and you just do good things, then you don't have to be afraid. But if you do bad things, then I'm gonna plunge the dagger that I am hanging above your chest into your chest. You know, I, I, I think, I think, I don't think you're. Com- you're completely wrong, India. Um, I do think this guy has the best intentions for the all, but I also think he is like a big representation of like the quote unquote like old ways. Yes. Uh, of like only trust the all, don't trust anyone else, do things how they've always been done because that is the way we do it. Um, and I feel like that's happened a couple of times throughout this book. Like it happens with the eater. Like that's all, that's what all of Midnight Tides is about is like, you know, these societies being absorbed by modern quote unquote modern civilization. It happens with Karsa, you know, uh, this barbarian or whatever from the mountains being introduced to, to civilization and, and, you know, not really being forced to reckon with it, more being forced to wreck it. Hey, but I think this is just another example of that, uh, that idea. Pete, what do you think? What do you think about this elder? What do you think about these, these all ways? These all ways. So are you saying they're unmodern, AJ, that they're uncivilized? No, I, that's why I said quote unquote <laughs> modern. Okay. Just razzing your berries. Um, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I think uh, you do touch on a theme there. And I think obviously uh, I actually I, I, I don't want to really speak on this subject. So that's all. I'll just rise your berries <laughs> and then step out of frame. Thank you very much. <laughs> OK, uh, hey, I'm imagining Animaniac style of you just like pulling yourself out of the frame where like your feet go first and your head follows shortly after. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we get, hey, one of the worst scenes that I've read in this whole what? book. It's no, it's like a really good, really well written part, but it really made me so, so fucking upset. Uh, we see the sister, the sister uh, of yeah. the 
the farm boy Arabat who sure. we had met earlier in this who, book. Who, get, who gets murked in like chapter gets, five or something. Yeah, he gets fully murdered and his whole family runs away. Um, or his whole family's murdered until uh, we see his sister who ran away. And I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. I don't know how long it has been. We also, I guess, don't know how old his sister is, but she really quickly is like, I'm a dog yeah, now. She became a wolf person real fucking quick. It is one of those things where time is a little nebulous because I'm like, was it quick or was it a long time? I don't know, you know? Well, isn't she still a child? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. She's like pretty young. I don't actually know because I don't think they say. They kind of she, do. She's a handmaiden in training, which means I guess she's not old enough to be a handmaiden, which I guess would be like teen age, right? So she's she's in like the single digits maybe, yeah. I think it's funny that she thinks that she's a wolf person. Like at what point did she go on her four legs, like on four legs and be like, okay, I can't walk, I'm two anymore. <laughs> I'm calling it a day. I mean, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like she she was she was walking for a while uh, uh, on those little legs. So I think yeah. seeing somebody on all four legs is like, this is a better way to do it. <laughs> My legs hurt. Let's use the other two. And then she's found by a hunter. I don't know. This scene was very sad. Did anybody else get anything else out of this? Resounding silence. Great. <laughs> Why did you feel sad? I mean, because this poor child's whole family was just murdered and she was forced to fend for herself. It's just very sad to see a person, let alone a child, be forced to like not to speak ill of dogs, I guess, but to like degradate themselves in such a way of like, now I'm now I am a wolf person, I guess. Like that's how far from uh, humanity she has been taken. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I don't remember if this was the the wind conversation here, or if this was a different conversation, but they talk about uh, in, in the beginning, but they talk about the children are the 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 most afflicted of the fallen or whatever. Oh, um, yeah, that was rough. And I think this is like a really like a prime example of that idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just sad. And also I have I have nieces and nephews and I don't want them to think that they're dogs. You know, I think there's this question here that it's like, you know, you have these children out here of these colonizers, you know, um, and it's like, you know, if, if this battle happens, what happens to these children, you know, and yeah. like, well, you know, it's like, what's the right thing that happens to them? So I think that's an interesting point here. Like the sins, the sins of the, the father, so to speak. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean to say. Sure. Uh, so we end the chapter with some more Red Mask stuff. Red Mask leaves uh, talk with another warrior, Torrent, to guard the camp. And then they argue this dude says some shitty things to talk and is like, hey, you're cursed. And talk says, yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Fair. And then uh, Red Mask talks to his warriors about the tactics that they are going to employ in this coming battle. Josh, what do you think about? We, I mean, we see it more in the next chapter, but what do you think about the all like becoming these kind of like proto bridge burners <laughs> with these with these schemes and stuff? You know, again, the timeline's a little tough because like <laughs> I'm like realistically, that's like months and months of training they need to do to be efficient in that style. So I was assuming that it was going to go terribly and not really work for them. And we'll mm. see uh, about that later. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do understand. I, I was like, it's going to be effective. Like they're going to fucking crush the Letheri if it works. But I was like, it's a long time to break your entire lifestyle of fighting and change it to like a very organized one. Well, it seems like from from how I understood the 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 all, it wasn't 
that they didn't have that their fighting style was bad. It was just that their their tactics were pretty bad. Exactly. So I, yeah. But those tactics, like, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, it like, you know, it is it is rigorous and like repetitive training that like, you know, keeps you from breaking your lines and stuff. And that's yeah. where I was like, they don't have time for all that. But they they do, apparently. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're right. But I think the tactics that they employ, and I, like I said, we'll talk about it more later, are more like we'll get the jump on them so that they aren't prepared enough so that our fighting style will match with these like sneaky tactics and then we can still win even if we aren't the most organized. But mm-hmm. we can talk about that more later. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end of chapter 10. Uh, does anybody else have anything they wanted to say before we thank our patrons? No, let's thank them. Pete, you want to thank our lovely people? You've never really got to, to name the patrons. I, I, I would love to thank them. A big warm thank you to Victor, Musash, Carly, Malcolm, The Knowers, and Nicholas. Thank you so much for donating to help support the show. It makes it a lot more sustainable, and we really, it means a lot to us. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, The Knowers, six times, I guess, because there are, they, they are in the Discord, yeah. and it's a shared account with six people. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. A powerful energy. A powerful energy. Thank you so much. Let's move on to the next chapter. Chapter 11. Hunch Arbat, the half-blooded Tarthanol who had been spreading excrement over the Tarthanol gods, has a vision of a cracked dream mask ready to burst, and decides it's time for him to leave. So, naturally, he sets his house on fire. On his way out, he runs into some good Samaritans who tell him some eater in the inn told them to go put the fire out. Farther down the road, he's asked by some Lethari soldiers where they could sleep for the night, He points them in the direction of an old barn, downwind from the hottest place in town, his house. Tahol, Janath, Bug, and Ublala Pung are getting ready to eat some chicken soup. Janath notices a block in her mind. Bug tells her that's of her own design, but that it will come down when she is ready. Ublala tells Tahol they have to find the Toblakai champion. Chief Inspector Ruckett meets with Ormley. Ormley is worried Tahol and Bug are moving too fast with their schemes. Ruckett thinks Bug might be the one really pulling the strings. The Errant thinks more about Mail and how he organized with Kurakan and a Jaghut to capture the Eater Sea Spirit. He thinks on Mail's worshippers, notices a crack in the ice, and considers war among the gods. The Errant thinks about his own power and realizes that he needs a mortal's blood. He teleports to the Sea Dance to meet with Featherwitch. Kurakan's ghost appears and warns the Errant not to do anything rash. The Errant speaks about not believing in the power of the Warrens. Kurakan tells the Errant that the Warrens have a master just as the Holds did, and that he's been infected by the demon in the ice. The Errant attacks Featherwitch, cutting her. Featherwitch retaliates by stabbing out the Errant's eye with the finger of Breeze Bedict. The Errant escapes with all the blood he needs. Featherwitch is dying. The Sita goes to try and find a healer. The Errant returns to his temple and drops the blood-covered knife onto his tiles. It impales his tile directly into his chest. 
His power surges back, and he goes to make sure Featherwitch is dead. Featherwitch lays dying. She doesn't think the Sita will return in time to save her. She curses the hungry god, and then eats his eyeball. The Errant feels his power ripped from him and hears Featherwitch's voice in his head. The voice of his high priestess, his distry Anant. She demands he make Breeze his mortal sword and Udinas his shield anvil. The Errant says Breeze is trapped by mail. Featherwitch says the tiles now flow with the blood of the Warrens and that they should go exploring. He tells her of the crippled god's involvement with the Eater, which silences her. The Errant realizes he's made a mistake and thinks he has to make plans. Samar Dev watches as Karsa defeats champion after champion in spars. She feels a shivering and retreats to her quarters where she sets up wards. Kurakan makes himself known to her and implores her to come help Featherwitch. She ignores him, saying Featherwitch gives witches a bad name and then captures him within her knife got another one. Karsa walks right into Samar's room, and they have a heated conversation about ghosts. Karsa will spar next with a Segula woman. A crowd gathers to watch Karsa fight, including Icarium and Terelak Veed and Tomad Sengar. Icarium recalls his fight with Karsa. Karsa defeats the woman, and Tomad decides Karsa will be the last champion to fight Rulad. Before Karsa can see him, Icarium leaves. Karsa says after he kills Rulad, he will finish his duel with Icarium. Hanan Mozag travels through a dreamt-up version of Kerald Emerlin. He beckons Mother Dark and Father Light to save their children, and show him the way to the Throne of Shadow. An owl passes overhead, an omen of things to come. He shouts an offer to the Andy and Leozin, saying the betrayals are done. He then accepts the omen. Breeze Bedict will be the mortal sword of Kerald Emerlin. Hanan Mozag comes out of his trance and tells Bruthentrana to leave Rulad and travel west, to find the one whose tomb was never occupied, and retrieve the finger from Featherwitch. Tahul and Ublala are skulking. They alert the guards and run separate ways. Ruth and Trana thinks about Karsa Orlong. As he approaches Featherwitch, he senses that her power has grown. Featherwitch sees the Eater approach her. Brutally, the man takes the pouch from her, cutting her ear and neck. Tahul arrives back home, having successfully served as a diversion. Bug tells Tahul that Ublala intends to find out if the Toblakai champion is his new god. Tahul thinks Karsa is doomed to die at Rulad's hand. Bug shrugs. Samardev awakes to Ublala Pung at her door. He insists that she take him to Karsa. Upon meeting the Toblakai, Pung kneels and calls Karsa Pure One. Samar explains that the Tarthanol are mixed blood Toblakai and Ublala says that the rest of them live on islands in the Draconian Sea. Karsa declares that he will lead an army of Toblakai and tells Ublala to bring his kin back to Letharis. Ublala agrees and tells Karsa that he has a secret to share about Rulad. 
Karsa orders Sam Ardev out of the room. And she leaves. All right, so Josh was just so moved by the events of Chapter 11, he had to step away uh, for the rest of the episode. So He was very hungover not, and retired from yeah, the show. Yeah. Josh, you're not going to hear this because you do not listen to the podcast, but I hope you feel better, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he came back on mic after we took a break and was like, I'm not, I cannot remain on the show. I must... <laughs> So obviously we'll miss him very much and but miss do, his takes. But but, but but do you know what? This is good news because now because you missed one of the read through episodes. Now Josh mm. missed one. Now only India and I have been on every read through episode. So yeah, you you guys have perfect attendance. That's exactly right. Does that mean I get to miss the next one? No, that no. Get- <laughs> <laughs> it's only a big deal when I can't be here. <laughs> No, everyone else. It's like, yeah, go. You bring such a good energy. Um, No, I don't. You're the star of the show. That's not true. All right, Um, so let's get into this chapter. So we start this chapter with a little bit of a reunion. Uh, So crazy. This incidental character from Saren Padak's story in Midnight Tides, the dude who was wiping shit and piss all over the Toblakai god statues. Yeah. He's he's back. Hunch Arbat. Hunch, Hunch Arbat. Everyone's favorite character. Everyone's favorite character. Hunch Arbat. Woo! Go Hunch. Someone tell me how Steve even, like, remembers these characters. Like... <laughs> That's why I he didn't give him a name in Midnight Tides. He was just the one that wiped shit on stuff. Well, here's, really. And remember. here's what annoys me about the Hunch Arbats of the world. Because like half, like, I don't know, a third <laughs> of the time, the Hunch Arbats come back. And it's like, yeah. look, this is why we did the cutaway to the Tavern Keep. Because the Tavern Keep is actually going to be followed up in book nine. And then like <laughs> right. actually 60% of the time, it actually never gets followed up on. And it's just like, oh, yeah, well, that was one thing. We're moving on, you know. But it's always fun when they come back like this and you get to do a little loop around. Yeah. And it's always funny how Steve loops these characters in with all the other stories, because as he's leaving, he runs into the villagers who tell him that the eater are in the village inn, and they want him to. Oh, he burned his house down, by the way. Um, yep. <laughs> they yes, he did. The, the house out. And then as he's walking down the road, he runs into uh, Twilight and her gang. Mm. And they're like, hey, where can we stay? And he's like, oh, there's a there's an old barn that you can stay at. <laughs> See ya. And it's just like he has run into now Sarah Padak and the Crimson Guard and Tw- Twilight, the, the shake queen. Oops, spoilers. Um, <gasps> like some of the, the, the major players in these in these books. So it's just very funny. And if I had to guess, well, India, where do you think where do you think he's walking? He said he's just he's walking and his destination. He's not afraid for the journey. He's afraid for the destination. That that classic saying. He's going to where Akarium mm. and um what's and what's the other guy? Carsa. Carsa R. <laughs> you forgot the name of your favorite character. Carsa. I know. Orla? I did. I did. I did. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. 100%. That's where he's going. He's got the the Tablor blood or or Toblokai blood, whatever it is. He's going home, baby. Yeah, he's going home. I'm very I'm so excited to talk about that more later. <laughs> That's tough because uh, it is fucking bonkers. And for the first time in these chapters, we see our good pals to whole bug uh, Janath Ublala Pung. They're all getting ready to eat some chicken soup. Ublala steps on chicken. Pretty good, good stuff. Pretty good. Just classic, eat, eat. classic Ubella hijinks. <laughs> yeah. And basically the only thing really that comes out of this section is that J- Janath's doing better uh, and Ublala has to go see Karsa. So that's fun. Mm. Then we head over to Inspector Rucket and uh, Ormley, 
the the rat catchers. Ormley can about how- orally confirmed rotten in bed confirmed in this book. <laughs> I know that we all had a big poll going of whether Ormley fucked or not. Um, <laughs> seems, he does not. It seems like he does fuck, maybe, but at least is terrible at it. If he does, if you know, who yeah. knows? India, sorry, Josh isn't here, so I can't ask him uh and pete knows what happens so i can't ask them either what do you think uh, rucket is kind of on to bug being the one pulling the strings in a way yeah do you do you you think that's gonna pan out for her (laughs) do you think it's gonna be what she thinks do you think that uh rucket knows that bug is the elder god of the seas i don't know if she knows the extent of his like like maybe like of his you know Mm. power but i think that she does definitely she is going to suspect something. I have a feeling, though, he might blame it on Tehole or so. Like, I feel like if I don't think that I'm, I'm not sure that she'll ever even like I don't think anything is going to come of it. I don't. I think mm. Bugs like a master at being like, what are you talking about me? <laughs> so, yeah, I think it'll be. Thought. Yeah, I, I, I agree that he's going to somehow you know, or maybe he'll clap it. and make her disappear. I don't know. Oh my god! Do you think? Oh man! Do you think he's going to send her to the depths of the ocean to, to get crushed? No, he's a good yeah, guy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is. And Pete, maybe you want to cover your face for this part preemptively. I feel like this rucket being like, I think Bug is more than he says, is like kind of, I guess, meta in a way. Not meta, but just like speaking to the larger parts of the story because there is so much sea imagery throughout these chapters. Mm -hmm. That is like, oh, like and they talk about how male has these uh, these cultists now following him. Bugs power is only growing. And it's like all of the Warrens that are being flooded like that's water. That's the sea. I don't know. So I really think that at some point it's going to be like, oh, bug is the actual real big bad guy um, or something because all this water talk. Talk about the seas, baby. No, not Bob. And not, it's not not only even in this book. I mean, the ocean and the sea has so much imagery in this, and I think it represents several things. But I, to me, I always draw on like kind of the wash of time and tides coming and going of these different historical and things. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I. You All know. things change, but the tide stays. You know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That was nothing. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I, I liked it. I've I've never heard that phrase in my life. <laughs> I mean, Pete, do you want to did you want to comment any more on on Bugs power or Rucket's suspicion? So next, Errant uh, and <laughs> Featherwitch. Yeah, so next, um, yeah. So they um, ki- they kind of have a slumber party. <laughs> what? You know, they play a good old fashioned game and have a little bit of an <laughs> argument. A good old fashioned game of your blood, my blood. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, this section blew my head off okay Um, tell me why truly wild it just starts off so harmless i guess (laughs) and it's just like the errant thinking like hmm i wonder what male's up to and then seeing these holds and tiles what's going on here you know yeah it's just like regular errant stuff of like wondering about their power and stuff and all this whatnot and then they see the the ice cracking where the the demon is trapped yeah and then is uh, overcome by ambition, I guess. And it's like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to kill Featherwitch. Um, and then well, he, he feels that. this ambition. Or, he's ta- like what you're talking about. He's he's thinking about mail and he's like, I got to fucking level up, bro. It's time. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes to see Featherwitch. Kurkan is like, you don't want to do this. This is a bad idea. And he's like, no, 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 no. And so he goes, he stabs Featherwitch, takes her 
blood on his uh, thing. She pokes his eye out. Uh, she with, pulled his eye out with her hand. With Breeze's finger. No, she, she, no, she stabs first, his eye out. She dislodges the, she kind of loosens it up first. She tenderizes. And then she gets <laughs> in there with the hand to pull it out. Oh, I misunderstood. Yeah, she, That's she poked so him much. in the eye and then right. clawed and it. Then took it. Jesus Christ! It's violent. Um, and then she yeah. and then makes a little snack out of it. So my question is, then, but like, was this not? They weren't trying to kill each other here because he so, stabbed her like a lot. Yeah, the and then errant, she started to die a little. The errant just needed her blood for the ritual he wanted to do, which was like he needed mortal blood. But so he didn't why actually. So why? Why didn't they just like? Why? Why did it have to be like a fight? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way that it could not have been a fight. I think you're right. That was so weird. Uh, I read on the on the the tour reread uh, says that the errant was overcome with this uh, murderous rage because they got uh. too close to the demon under the ice and it like possessed him, mm, sort of. And, and her? like, no, just the errant. Oh, so she was just uh, defending herself. Right. Which, like, I I guess so. I don't know. I don't know if that was made explicitly clear. I mean, uh, Kurakan is like, hey, you've been overcome by ambition from the, the, the demon, which I guess is true. I guess that's canon. So, yeah, that, that was why the sudden lust for power from the errant. And I don't think he didn't need to kill her. He just needed her blood. But then once he so in the next part, he takes the the knife, drops it onto the tiles. It stabs him, his tile directly in the chest. <laughs> Uh, and then begins to fill the tiles with blood. And then he feels power and is like, oh, I should make sure she's dead, because if she's not, she could do what she's about to do, uh, which is eat his eye, absorb his power and become his high priestess, pretty much. And it seems like this whole time the errant has made a concerted effort to not have any worshippers, mm-hmm. um, because if you have worshippers and not not worshippers, sorry, not to have like a, a, a higher echelon of like priests and priestesses and stuff like that. Because from what I understand, regular people praying to you or whatever is easy to ignore. But when it's a high priestess or somebody, you know, in, in a higher position of power, it's like almost impossible to ignore or or, or not pay attention to. Well, there's more. Um, I think there's more of a direct relationship and more of a back. And well, yeah, forth. she fully. Yeah, she fully eats his eye. And well, like, I meant in general, but definitely here. This is like a much, a much more like, I mean, they talk about it. She's like, we're like bound together now. You answer to me yeah. and I answer to you. How You know, that type of thing. Yeah, I thought this was such an that was such an interesting, like going back and writing the summary, like looking over it again. She's just like, we both hate each other. <laughs> you put this you put us in this situation. So I'm going to fucking like destroy your life. Like, I don't want to do this, but like, you've kind of left me no choice, which I thought was uh, kind of kind of funny. I also think I also think it's reflecting this question of like, well, how much should your theology or your beliefs or your ideals, whatever it may be, be like a fixed thing? Or how much should they answer to you and what you want and your mortal desires? Do you mean or should they be this unchanging, immortal, whatever, you know? Yeah. If I if I had to point out like a theme in this book, it's like. What is it? It, it, it? This book is very much about what it means to worship something, I feel like, because the, the crippled God has that had that whole section a couple episodes ago about like my worshipers made me this. I never asked for that. You know, I, I never you know, yeah. intend for this to, to happen like this. Like this conversation has now happened a couple of times. And I think this is like, again, similar to the Saren, the, the last Saren scene, like this is that conversation kind of brought to its to a head uh, in a way. So well, just- I, th- I think it's a common theme of the gods throughout books, but I think especially in this book, which I do think reflects not only about worship, but about power and who actually has power in these relationships and who has power over who, you know, right. 
it's like who has the power the gods and the ideals or the worshipers and the believers of those ideals you know what i mean yeah are we yeah. creating yeah. them or are we living by it i mean so yeah yeah um, I, I feel like it's but I think that's also like a theme throughout it. But I do agree. It's really shining through in some of these conversations with these gods. Yeah, I agree. I think um, this is a bit of a, a bit of a side thought. Please, jo- um, Josh but, is in here. You know, Josh is the one who hates <laughs> tangents. <laughs> but the conversation with the crippled God, I think, was really my like opened my head to the universe like uh, my galaxy brain meme oh sure of starting with like all the crippled god's believers are or worshipers are crazy uh the crippled god is making them crazy is the next level of that thing and then the galaxy brain part is like oh no actually the worshipers are the ones that are making the crippled god uh uh, this this monster so he's not actually influencing them in any any way they're actually destroying him so i don't know i just thought i think that i think that that is stuck in my crawl from earlier like when as soon as that came up i'm like ooh, man okay that's a thought and now every time the gods come up or worshipers or whatever that's like all i'm thinking about is like the crippled god didn't make his followers the followers are making the crippled god uh and so in every relationship you know that's what's happening and that's part of what has me so worried about bug is they're talking about these cultists and stuff who are like praying to bug in this way and i'm like oh shit bug is gonna just like lose it at some point when when all these fucking cultists or or whatever are like hey drown the world and he'll be like okay fine so it just got me worried you know let the record show i want to speak more about the crippled god but i shall not Okay. I have to say, I feel much less in control of sharing my opinions on this side of the thing because I <laughs> literally every time you ask me thoughts about something, I'm like, I should just share my whole thoughts, you know. But that's yeah. like not that's not what I should do, you know. Yeah. Usually, you pref you preface your questions with with the thoughts that you're comfortable giving, and then you ask the question to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, a comp- truly, truly wild scene. Uh, and then we move on to. <laughs> yeah, well, what, uh, uh, we move on to some of the Karsa stuff. Yeah. Yep. So so Samar gets uh, beckoned by Khan is like, hey, help. And she says no and traps him in the sword in the, the dagger. Sure. But also <laughs> Karsa is just like sparring with every single one of the champions that are supposed to fight Rulad, which is so funny. <laughs> and he's just absolutely kicking ass. Literally. Um, yeah, I think I don't remember. I don't think we know who it is. It's just like in the, the as soon as we come back to Samar, it's like, oh, he just beat the shit out of this fool. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to go fight a Segula. See ya. And it's, it's good. <laughs> he beats the Segula. Uh, but I think the part here, uh, Icarium and Karsa are in the same room, I think, for the first time. Since their duel. Since they fought each other. Right, right. For the first time on Letharis. And I got to tell you, got me worried. India, did you think they were going to? talk to each other at all yeah i thought that they were gonna fight but then i was like well they can't fight now because if they do it'll just it'll be this is what we're all waiting for so it can't happen <laughs> well yet. we're 500 oh. we're 500 pages into the book we can't yes, fight. say we're <laughs> yeah of course not of course no we yeah. still have another seven thousand to go so <laughs> sure or what we're almost like halfway <laughs> we're almost halfway yeah no yeah i totally agree i was like oh fuck and then it, shortly after i was like oh well they can't they can't actually, but that's that's the kind of stuff that sh- that Steve would pull. I think but like also, that's the kind of thing. It's yeah, like they lock exactly. eyes and begin fighting, and then we don't see them for another four chapters, and then we come back and like Lethris is like completely leveled or something. Like <laughs> you also get the name Mapo Trail. Haven't seen that bad boy in a while. Yeah, I miss Mapo. I hope I hope he's doing I miss good Mapo with Escarl Pust and Lady Envy's sister, whatever her name was. I don't remember. Spite. Spite. Duh. <laughs> yes. It's a good name. 
Uh, and then this scene ends with Tomad Sengar being like, yeah, he's going to go last. This dude's going to go last. And I guess that is in some way like, oh, well, everybody will fight Rolad. He'll be weak. And then we'll send Karsa in. But like, no. Like, has he been paying attention at all? <laughs> like every time Rulad comes back, it's like a clean slate. It's not like he's like worse for wear. If anything, he is more sure. horrifying. Right. Like, so I if don't you, know. If you strike me down, I'll only become stronger. I don't know. I butcher the quote. You know what I mean? Star Wars. Yeah. I've seen the yeah, movie. Well, it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's a Hydra situation, right? But it's not it's not more heads. It's just more crazy. Sure. Um, more having a worse time. Right. Yeah. So I am really really baffled by that logic if that if that is the logic in it or if he's just like afraid to see his son die so he's like oh well he's gonna go up last so that if he does kill him at least i have some more time with my son but like i don't know man i i just don't know india what do you think i don't know either i don't understand tomad i don't understand like he's just such a strange guy because like what is he saving here and and does he even it's like you have these people trying to fight rulad you know the end goal here is what and so to be right. like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's weird and stupid. If, I'd be kind of pissed if my dad uh, did that. I feel like so. I want to know more about Tomat. Do you know what I mean? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, that too, is that we don't know anything really. Yeah, all we've really seen him do is like make some kind of bad decisions for his sons. And then, yeah, I don't know, just I'll like go, go out on a boat and come back. Um, yeah, it's... It, <sighs> It's it's upsetting, I think. Before we move on, Pete, uh, Carson Samar had this heated conversation about ghosts uh, and, and stuff. And you usually have things to say about uh, about the, the two of them. So I was just curious if you had any any thoughts about that big conversation. You're not going to bait me into talking about ghosts on the podcast. Nice try, AJ. <laughs> nice try, you son of a bitch. Um, son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. That's right. Pete we is all... a staunch not ghost believer. <laughs> Um, but you can't get me to express my ghost opinions on air. All right. <laughs> Just one. No, not not even once. All right. So next, Moving Hannon Mozag, the king of the warlocks. Yeah, yeah uh, Hannon Mozag is not actually walking through Corral Demerlin. He's like in, in who, his mind's who eye. Knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, he shouts a whole lot to his mommy and daddy. And then he sees an owl, which is an omen. And then he accepts the omen and it's like, yeah, uh, Breeze will be the mortal sword of Corral Demerlin. <laughs> and that's that's the whole section, which reminds me, I completely glossed over this in the the fervor that was the Featherwitch uh, errant section. Yeah. When Featherwitch becomes the high priestess, he, she begins just shouting orders at the errant. It's like, hey, Breeze oh, yeah. Benedict is going to be our mortal sword. Udinas, as much as I hate him, is going to be the shield anvil. And I, I think it's. Because and, I hate and, him, and, and and there's some name too that I don't have in front of me for what? Oh, for she the says, for the mortal sword that Udanis is going to be. Yeah, to, to uh, I wrote it down. Uh, Torrid Segel. To or yeah, Torrid Segel. So that that happened then, and now uh, Hannah Mozag is like, oh yeah, Breeze Bedek will be my or will be uh, Shadow's mortal sword. So I guess we have a, another fight over who gets Breeze Bedek the best boy. Yeah, in, India. What, what did you What did you make of this? What did you make of uh, uh, Hannah Mosag beckoning beckoning to, to Mother Dark and Father Light? I have no fucking idea what Hannah Mosag is doing anymore. <laughs> in all honesty, I really I don't know. Yeah, dude seems like he's floundering, kinda. Literally, he just doesn't know. <laughs> he's just like looking for anything, trying to make deals with all these people, trying to like. <laughs> he just needs to calm himself down. Yeah, but I don't I understand like... his point right now either. Like I don't mm-hmm. understand what he's trying to do. 
Yeah, I feel like if Josh were here, he would say that Hannah Mozag thinks he's the smartest person in the room. But I think I would disagree and say Hannah Mozag is just trying to do anything that might help him in any way. I think he is so afraid um, and that he feels like he has lost all control. And so he's just he, like at all, at all costs is like, I'm going to do everything. I don't know. How's that working out uh, for him? <laughs> not good. I mean, I guess not bad because he does. He sends Bruce and Trana to go get the finger from Featherwitch and then he just does he just like goes and takes it i mean he like assaults her pretty bad but he just like takes it and leaves uh so nice job i guess mm. yeah and then we in in lighter news in <laughs> lighter news Pung and tahal are trying to skulk oh yeah uh, they have a whole conversation again once again about a single word they go back and forth for a while about skulking and then they are seen run away uh we'll come back to that in a second oh no i guess that's it yeah I thought we were leaping uh, to the end with them because then Ubala hangs out yeah, to hang much. out with Karsa. Yeah, so they get split up and then Tahol goes back to the house and is like, yeah, I lost him. I think he got inside. I don't really know. And then Bug is like, oh, that's cool. He thinks he's going to find his new god. And then Tahol thinks Karsa's doomed to die and Bug shrugs. What do you think? What do I think about H- what? Him being doomed to die. I-, I don't think so. I mean, there's some meta knowledge I have that... <laughs> would would uh imply otherwise i think but i i'm just gonna not no comment <laughs> no comment um so blah pong makes samar dev take him to karsa uh and then just begins to worship karsa and then karsa's like fuck off but also sweet go get all your buddies from the island because apparently apparently there's just a whole island or islands i don't know full of half-blooded fucking toblokai toblokai well yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if you're there were some islands in the last book in book five we talked about, you know, no. Uh, well, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. It could have been a thing that came up. No, these know. are different islands. I do know that I was conflating them with the islands that Tehill sends some of the tribes to uh, yes. to kind of be refugees on. But right. do you know what? They are different things because that's what I thought. They're actually kind of different peoples. So, yeah, my bad. You know who else is the Segula are also on an island. That's true. So, wow, <laughs> that's also a, a thing. <laughs> um, and actually, I don't think we learned that from the book. I think Mark told us that. <laughs> uh, Shout outs to Mark uh, for telling us about the Segula island. I don't know when you learn that. Part of me thinks you learn that. I think you learned that on one of the Esselmob books. Maybe I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? Interesting. Anyway, anyway, uh, India, Kars is amassing an army. What the yeah, fuck? Since when? I mean, since now, I think. <laughs> I like it, though. He loves Ublala. You could tell. Yeah. He I, likes him so much. He immediately punches him in the head. <laughs> I, I will say, I do feel like it's a classic Carson move. Like, he shows up. He's like, I'm here to swear to you, and I have an army. And let's do that. And Carson's like, of course. Naturally. Uh, as I was expecting. <laughs> all according as to plan. According to plan. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I mean, kind of. He does the same thing with the horse and stuff, too. He's like, yeah, this is my horse. And then the same thing with the sword. He's like, yeah, this is my sword. I made this sword. This is mine. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, and that, that leads us to the end of the chapter. What are we what, what are we thinking? We're moving. We're moving on. And I. so you're saying, AJ, you think these are some of the best chapters we've read in the book. Crazy. Yeah, I really enjoyed these chapters. And maybe it's just colored by the uh, the feather witch section in this chapter. But I, I think there's a lot of really good stuff here. I will say Fe- feather witch is pretty tolerable in these sections. I think she kind of a lie. Co- no, she's not. She's fucking horrifying. Are you kidding as me? Always. 
I love Featherwitch. I do love Featherwitch, but she's horrifying. She's so annoying. She's funny, but like, oh my gosh, she's just so angry. She's extremely angry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just leave, girl. <laughs> she needs the power, India. She's got the she's got a lust for power. And I mean, now she has it, I guess. Yeah, wait. Uh, and also, can we just like retouch on that? Like, is yes. she alive? Yes. So so basically what had happened is she was dying. The Kurakan was going to go get someone to heal her. So we went to Samar Dev, but he was taking too long. So Featherwitch said, I'm just going to eat the eye. So she right. eats the eye, which then makes her and the errant not one being completely, but it makes them like, you know, close. Um, so she took some of his power and is and is. Yeah, she is alive now. But well, I and thought she was talking in his head. Yes. So when she ate the eye that made her his high priestess, uh, there's another word that they use I, that I wrote down but can't find makes her his high priestess so pretty much she is able to like ask the errant to do things in her name pretty much so she is like has a direct it's like he has a bluetooth that is always dialed to weather witch <laughs> and he can't hang up got it and that's part of the whole thing is like when she's talking he's like the more i'm talking to you like the more you're draining my power please stop and then she like cuts it off but yeah but but i don't know pete i really enjoyed these chapters I think I think the first one, there's just such interesting stuff going on. I think part of it is like I thought the troll on rack quick Ben, like going the Shadow Lake thing was going to take the whole book. Like I thought that was going to be their arc with sure. them traveling the Shadow Lake. And so when quick Ben was like, oh, I found I found the door and they're just like, OK, let's go. Like, I think that is so much farther than I thought their storyline was going to go, even in this book, let alone the first half of the book. What? And all the shit with with fucking twilight in the next chapter and with Onrak at the end of the the, the section like yeah. there's just so much that happens in these chapters that's like hey what the fuck like uh, listen i liked him too i'm not here to take him down a peg i just part of me feels like this is classic mid malazan book building of the stakes and plot stuff you know so i don't know but mid 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 book uh, in the last book was fucking Yigatan, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that is true. So you got me there. I think the midpoints of these books, maybe if I'm spotting a trend, might be the best parts of these books. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I can't yeah. wait to read Toll the Hounds, baby. We're going to have a great, <laughs> we're going to have a great start to 2022. Yeah, baby. Mm. And speaking of great starts, here's the next chapter. <laughs> Very good. Nice, uh, nice, nice segue. <laughs> Chapter 12. Brawl Handar and Atri Preda Bivat spot what they think is a war camp of the All on the horizon. They're expecting a battle tomorrow at Bast Fulmer, a site chosen by the All because Bivat thinks she knows what to expect. Handar notices a lack of outriders and scouts, but Bivat insists she knows what's coming. There's no need to worry. Tok is working on his arrows in the all-train, disguised to look like a war camp. Red Mask and his warriors are hidden farther out in the plain, without any light. The elder who told Red Mask to kill Tok shows up, and they talk of secrets, betrayal, and courage. Tok thinks Torrent would have a hard time catching him if he were to run. Hedge catches up with the Talani Mask that he's been on the trail of, Emroth of the Kron. Hedge talks at length about being a ghost, and Emroth tells him to shut up. Farther north, the pair spot Omtos Falak. Emroth says home is on the other side. 
Budanas is dreaming. He looks over a Rex temple, surrounded by hundreds of multi-jointed corpses. The Errant appears, covered in blood. He claims Udinas as his Taorid Sagal, his shield anvil. He wants to save these four for the sale. Menandere descends from the sky as a dragon and tells the Errant Udinas belongs to her. They make a deal. Udinas for a nudge. The Lotheri banishes the gods and wakes into another dream. Kettle tells him the temple collapsed because it could not hold all of the grief. Kettle tells Udinas not to cry too soon. Saren Padak is cold, and Udinas has been sick for days. Silchus Ruin thinks Udinas is partly afflicted with Kachain Shamal sorcery. Saren digs, trying to find water, and comes across an unfamiliar spear. Clip recognizes it as Talan Imas weaponry. Ruin says they are merely borrowing it, and will be expected to give it back when the time comes. In the meantime, Udinas uses it as a crutch. Quick Ben thinks about how having friends has only brought him pain. Quick Ben is worried about how their destination will affect Onrak, but they're about to be eaten by a giant catfish, so Quick Ben opens the gate anyway. On the other side, they find themselves in the realm that Quick Ben found before. He thinks the realm is Talon. Onrak is alive. Red Mask tells an ancient tale of the land descending from the sky to the earth. He speaks of the shamans of the antlers who cursed the earth and Bast Fulmer, the Valley of Drums, a part of the land where sorcery is nullified because of the shaman's curse. Twilight's group reaches Boral Keep near the coast. She's looking for the Master of Arms, but he and his men are off following rumors of demons. Twilight meets Pulley and Squish, two Shake witches who recognize Twilight as a Shake princess now queen since her mother's death a year ago. They say she is betrothed to Sheikh Brilliak on Second Maiden Fort. Things are going bad for Atri Preda Bivat. She sees the all have already set up a force in Bast Fulmer, the Houndmaster is mourning the loss of all his dogs to poison, and Brawl Handar says the Charisnan magic is nullified in the valley. She does not stand down or retreat, though, because she knows what to expect and is convinced the Lothari are more capable than the All. This is proven immediately false, and Bivat issues a retreat and is told the mages are dealing with demons. Rolhandar sends more troops to the supply camp and is quickly struck down by Sagcharak and Gunthmok. Bivat watches the Kachain Shamal tear through the supply camp until they're finally driven off by the mages the Lethary Retreat. Twilight rides with some of her group toward the coast. She thinks of the land bridges that used to connect the islands off the coast, her nobility, and the demon-kissed children that would either become witches or be thrown into the ocean. She wishes the Lethary had completely wiped the Shake out, but since they didn't, she did her best to recruit anyone with even a little Shake blood into her battalion. Eventually, she comes across tracks that lead her to the Master of Arms, Yedin Derig, the Watch, her half-brother. Over a ridge, they see a glow. They see hundreds of ships burning off the shore. Twilight recognizes the ships. The Malazans are on our shore.
So we catch up with Brawl Handar and Atri pray to Bivat, getting ready, they think, to fight the all in a couple of days uh, because they see their camp across the valley. And <laughs> Brawl Handar is like, hey, this seems off. And, and Bivat's like, nah, it's fine. It's all good. We're good. And then they continue to do that every time they're back on screen, which <laughs> is just like really funny uh, because we know that that's not. The, all, the actual all camp. Uh, we'll get back to that later, though, when that fully comes to fruition in this chapter. This is finally the section that I've been trying to come to yes, <laughs> every time I, we see I figured talk. this was the section you were trying to talk about. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to talk about it. It's just the section I kept thinking was the section. Uh, mm. Talk gets approached by this all elder, uh, and it's just like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. He just tells him to, to get fucked. Well, I think he's like, hey, fuck you. You're like... You're colonizing us. Yeah, you not only are you doing colonizing, you know, but also like, are you just like some perpetual warrior? And now here you are, like you're just a forever soldier. And here you are teaching us how to be soldiers and destroying our yeah. way of life, you know, yeah. fucking calling him out, you know? Yeah. And I think, honestly, fully justified. That's what I mean. It's like one of those things where it's like, I like talk a lot, but like, I don't know. Are you wrong? Is he wrong? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think it's a, a unique perspective for the all because like all of their elders are dead pretty much except for this dude sure who is who has seen you know who i think is the only one that saw red mask's uh sister be murdered who's still alive yeah he yeah uh, he's like the old the old yeah one. yeah so i mean I, I i get it you know resistant to change and stuff but who's to say what change is good and who who brings about that change anyway we move on hedge catches up with this Talane mass who is from the Kron Talane mass, which I don't remember what that means. I know it's a clan, but I don't remember which clan was the one that was with the Empire and which clan was the one that wasn't and all that. The Logros were the ones that were with the Empire. Yes. And the Kron are the other ones. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. They're, uh, they're, all, they're, they're also big and important, but different. Yes. You know? Yes. They're the ones that show up at the end of Midnight or uh, Memories of Ice. Yes, they were one of the big ones who like fell in with Silver Fox and then was like, yeah, OK, what's up? You know, right, right, right. So um, uh, her name is Emroth and <laughs> Hedge pretty much just badgers her until she decides to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, a ghost and, and a they... skeleton talking in a snowy wasteland. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then they reach uh, what I think they say is Omtos Falak, right? And then she says home is on the other side, which I guess means we're going to cross. <laughs> we're fucking crossing Omtos Falak. Maybe. Is that is that is that right to assume? <laughs> India, what do you think? If you if you died and were a ghost and met a skeleton person, they said, hey, we're going to cross the coldest place to ever exist. Would you do it? Yeah, because I'm a ghost. Okay. Because mm. she's a bad bitch. All right, AJ, don't fucking step on <laughs> her. Do I, does he even feel cold? It's a good question. I don't know the ghost physics in this world. I want to talk about the next section, which absolutely yeah. rules. Yes. It's just an yes. awesome dream sequence. And I feel a great follow up to, you know, Udonis's character, a follow up on obviously like his grief, his emotions he's going through, a follow up mm -hmm. on his assault from the from book five. Mm -hmm. Also, just like this kind of dreamy, crazy imagery that I also think is really powerful and really, really moved me. I really love this section. I really love the section conversation with Kettle about grief 
and constructing it and trying to like, I guess, like having the power to banish it. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I can articulate it as well as the story did. So I think the story did a good job. And that's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. So if yeah. you wanted to know, you should maybe read the paragraph reflected how I felt. So <laughs> yeah. I like the dream. The dream was good. OK, yeah, the dream is really good. I think I do just kind of want to. Can I just read the paragraph? Do it. Do <laughs> I just want to read. I want to read this. Uh, this this kettle uh, grief paragraph. I'm all in. Um, so Udanas's dream, he sees a fallen temple, uh, and then there's the whole thing that happens, and then he wakes up into another dream, sitting around a fire with kettle. Um, and they talk about the dream, and she says that temple, it couldn't have held all those souls, all that grief. It was broken, and that's why it fell over. That was what you were supposed to see. So you'd understand when everything happens and not be sad and be able to do what he wants you to do, just not in the way he thought it would be. That's all. And that's like the, the, the I guess, uh, base level or, or the, the, the surface of that text is, is like about the crippled God and stuff. But I don't think it takes too much scratching into the subtext to think about like, you know, if you think about uh, uh, the, the place in your body that holds your grief, it can only hold so much before it, you know, tumbles down mm. and, and you need to you need to be ready to to deal with it and to cry and, you know, feel those feelings. But don't feel it too soon. I don't know if that part carries over to the <laughs> to the imagery of not crying too soon. But but yeah, it's just really was that the section you were talking well, about? Pete, uh, that section. And I also love when he's talking to like Menandere and uh, the Aaron in the temple and he's like, well, I'm going to fucking he's like, this is my mind. I like have right. the power and like I have the autonomy. I'm going to banish you. This is like like I can do this. This is my power. And they're like, no, you can't do this. And he's like, no, like like I can. I can and yeah. I will. And, like I <laughs> yeah. can. And I'm taking this step to try and like make to make that decision for myself. And I found that to be very inspiring and admirable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing we're doing some processing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know life's not you can't just blow up temple drama in a temple in your mind all the time but um <laughs> you know i think it's like uh, i i really like this dream sequence you know i think it was really good i agree and then we zoom out of udanas's mind and see that they are still in the blue rose mountains it's cold as shit yeah. uh, udanas is very sick yeah he's really fevering he had a fever dream big old fever dream um but was it a dream was it a dream is it, also, yeah. is it ever with Udinas? Is it ever a dream? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, Remember when Udinas fathered a child? That was brought up a lot in this, you know? That's what I'm saying. I feel like, like I, yeah. I, I'm not really hung up on the plot part of it, but also I do think that dream sequence is somewhat supposed to be like, don't, don't forget, like there's this kid, go, there's this kid and he had like the kid hasn't, and now he's in the kid's an adult now. And like, you know. Yeah. I totally forgot about it though. I did. So. I, I'm sure you did. I mean, it's a yeah. totally random thing, I think, in book five when they go to the refrigerium and are like, hey, the kid's here, you know? Right. Let's, let's just like let's with leave some this, Talana mask. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very weird stuff. So they're all cold. And then uh, Silchus Ruin says he thinks that Udinas is uh, are afflicted by Kachain Shamal sorcery, which does not bode well, I think, for the destination of this mountain, because like, I don't know how magic works, I guess, but it seems like you need to be kind of near where you're doing the magic right yeah so i'm gonna guess if i had to venture a guess at the top of this mountain there's some fucking dinosaurs up there baby something uh, spooky something spooky scary dragon bones 
Yeah, there's gonna be more dragon bones. Just more dragon bones. <laughs> more dragon bones. We're gonna get up there and everyone's gonna be like, wow, I wonder what this is. I wonder what these dragon bones mean. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what happened to these dragon bones. Look at this crushed rib cage. Literally. <laughs> I wonder how it died. Um, uh, and so uh Saren goes, Saren finds this spear. Right. And okay. it's like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And Cliff is like, oh, that belongs to the Talani mess. And Saren's like the who, which I thought was pretty funny because I forgot that Saren is not from get it back. <laughs> and I guess the Talani mess aren't really a thing over the here on, on this continent. The what was that? What did you say? <laughs> Should I know who they are? And as with all fucking Talani mass weapons, Silch's Rune is like, hey, you're just borrowing that. You're going to have to give it back. Yeah. And then they're like talking um, about spear fighters. <laughs> yes, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. And hey, Udenas makes uh, fear laughs. I don't remember who makes the joke. Was it Clip, I guess? Yeah, I think Clip it says is... it and then they all kind of laugh about it. We got some levity, you know, we're all friends. We're bonding, you know, we're it's a bonding. good time. Remember, we all remember your dead brother. That's funny. Yeah. India, do you want to say anything about that section? Um, about the coldness? The coldness? The cold. They're, well, they're on the mountain, so it's cold, and they got the spear. I just feel, um, I feel bad for Udinas. I hate Clip. You hate Clip? What's up, bro? You guys like Clip? Do you? What's wrong with Clip? I mean, don't you think I he's kind of sa- a little sassy, a little fun? That's why I don't like him. I think he's annoying. <laughs> I think he's rude. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not rude, but maybe you can be rude and fun sometimes, you know? Well, I am rude and fun. See, that's what I'm saying, Inch. I'm like, I've seen Inch be a little. Pete just fully baited you into that. Are you trying to tell me that maybe, I don't know, Peter. I don't know. You're right. I am. Maybe I should look at this from a different perspective. Maybe I'm personifying Clip onto myself. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think you're a lot like Clip, but. Me and Clip are one and the same. I am also a wizard of the black on it we've really taken a sharp turn for a few seconds to you declaring you and clip are the same person but (laughs) india maybe you should get some rings that you spin around i think people would really there you go i have rings that i spin around (laughs) i did like the moment where clip was like yeah i bang all the time maybe it's one i like talking about how much he has kids or whatever you know I was like, it was like, it was like fucking get a gold, get a hold of yourself, buddy. You know? Uh, so then we move on to quick Ben thinking about how friends bring pain. Very sad boy. Uh, and they're being chased once again by these fucking catfish. Yeah. Um, so funny, which Pete, can you clarify? Yeah. Is this, I don't remember where, like, I remember seeing the catfish with troll and on rack. I think we saw the fish with crocus and them. And now we see them here. Is that all the same place? Is that all the same Warren? I don't think Crocus sees the fish. Doesn't their whole shit get wrecked? And that's how they end up on the Isle of Traveler? No, I think the first time you see the fish is uh, when Carso wrestles with the fish in book four. Maybe they're described in book two. But then there's much more detail about the giant catfish in book five. Because they're in the river that the demon's from, that the demon, I forget the name. And then they're like, oh, well, like, what if we take this river and flood a world with it? And now we're seeing them here again. So. okay, so it's not all the same place. I have uh, no comment about that. No comment. Okay, sure. Fair enough. (laughs) But we've certainly seen giant catfish before. We have seen giant catfish. Yeah. Uh, And so before they're eaten by this 
said giant catfish, they go through this gate. And what's that? Oh, your boy on rack. Fool's got skin. He's got skin. He can breathe. He's got skin now. He loves breathing. What the what the fuck? Got- <laughs> this uh, geez, the events in these chapters hit me in waves like the feather witch shit. This especially. Uh, and then the part later with with Twilight. We'll he get sounds there, kind of hot, doesn't he? Wow. <laughs> I was not. Ex- uh, I Not to me, but bronze skin, green eyes. Little yeah, PB in the summer. Hot. Little PB in the summer action. <laughs> in the summer. Um, yeah, I guess in my mind, I just still like it's hard for me not to imagine him as a skeleton man. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I had that same problem with Tool at the end of uh, Memories of Ice. I'm like, you're still just a skeleton. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, he's a no, he's a real boy now. You know, wild, wild stuff. Uh, and it's it's so thinking about uh, Omrak's, I guess, journey up until this book. It's like. He has slowly been becoming like less Talane Mass in terms of like emotionally, I guess, and mentally and stuff like he feels anger in the last book. You know, he's he feels obviously some compassion or some sort of, you know, friendship or brotherhood relationship or something with Trull. Uh, And now these changes have been personified where he is fully like almost as far from being a Talane Mass as you could be with fucking skin and being able to breathe so muscular of course <laughs> he comes back muscular yeah i mean you see all the fighting he does india Bronze, I mean, he's gotta... green eyes <laughs> uh-oh um, we're in trouble we'll, we'll, start, we'll have to start like an onrack thirst corner or something every time onrack comes up uh, a, a new uh, bone zone if you will yeah oh, exactly <laughs> the name still uh, works the name does still work <laughs> Uh, so that happens. Blew my fucking head open. Uh, India, did you have any more thoughts about that? Oh, get it. Was it the was it the Warren that did it? So from my understanding, where they ended up is apparently Talan. Yeah, because that's what he wh- says. Talan. Right. Which is which is the the Warren. <sighs> I feel like Josh would have a better answer for this. I don't fully understand it. <laughs> but when they like do the ritual that turned them into bone people, that's the ritual of Talan. So yes. I don't know if that like. If, if that ritual created the Warren, so that is where all of their souls and stuff are, so that when you go back to that Warren, maybe that's why your skin comes back. Can, Pete, can you confirm nor deny? A lot of what you said, I would not say is the hottest, is the, is the correct, so. Okay, okay, that's fine. That's just I mean, where my understanding lies I mean, some of what you said right is now. correct, but. But yeah, uh, they are pretty sure that they're into land, which for some reason gives, gives Onrak his skin back. <laughs> Fair. And then, okay, this is it. Okay. We go from being in Talan to to uh, unknowingly talking about Talan, where Red Mask is telling the story about the Valley of Drums, uh, Bast Fulmer, if you will. Oh, sure. Uh, which, yeah. Which is where the battle is going to take place. And he talks about the shamans of antlers, mm. uh, which I did not realize until I was writing the scripts are the Talana mat or were the the eye mass. Right. Is that the Talana before they were both? Well, I guess I guess they were um, like, I know. So, yes, you were correct. They were I mass there. Then the the, the the ritual is what turned them into the Talana. OK. And scarred this valley. Yes. So this valley is where the ritual of Talan happened. Mm. Well, uh, w- w- one ritual of Talan. There were there were multiple. That's my oh, that's right. We've that's s- my understanding is that like there were multiple that like different tribes uh, or like. So peoples of the Talan IMAS, of the yeah. MS did the same ritual, but I because I don't think there was one super ritual, but I could be wrong. 
So tweet at me. Yeah. Well, I just I, we've talked about the ritual a lot, and I was. Uh, so. I just think there's. I think there were multiple, is my understanding, but I could be wrong. Okay. Once again, let me know. Yeah. So this is at the very least where a ritual of Talon took place, which sucked all the magic out of that space, and for 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 some reason. <laughs> so uh, that is why Red Mask chose to have the battle here, is because he knew that the Lethery had. Or I guess maybe talk told him, I don't know uh, whose strategy that was, but obviously nullifies the Krizan and magic in the entire battle. And then and then we have a big fight. Oh, no, we don't. No, you know what? We're already here. Let's talk about the fight and then we'll talk about Twilight's whole stuff. OK, cool. Uh, so then we got this whole freaking big ass battle scene and we haven't had one of those in a hot second yeah, I don't kind think. of an unexpected battle yeah i mean yeah the book spends an entire page and a half talking about the positions of all of these different uh deployments of soldiers and like their proper titles and everything and i'm like man if i was into fucking high fantasy war stuff i guess i would be eating this up see and that's man, the thing I, was... I i always do feel when you get into these sections maybe the gaming origins show itself a little bit because i do yes. always feel like there's information where it's like either how many t- types of whatever like how many of diff- what type of soldiers are where is like right. all of this information is included which i know some people really vibe with i've always you know it's not my bag but whatever i don't really yeah. it doesn't really detract to be honest i i really didn't like it in the moment but then as the battle went on i was like i guess this kind of illustrates like no matter how organized the lethery people are they're still not actually that capable mm. in in battles i guess i you know i don't really know like yeah yeah uh, I, I don't really know it, it's it's complicated too because the the eater and the the lethery are kind of merged and stuff so like the mages and whatnot that they would be using are now on their side mm. but i guess i guess it kind of also maybe goes to show that like now that the Eater are here and they have the magic, their military is kind of slacking now because they have this fucking awful, you know, magic stuff. How did you feel about following Brol Hanadar? Because now that it just, it, India's in the bathroom, little Peter and AJ podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was fine. I kind of felt bad for the dude because the whole time he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's maybe something else. And the Bivat was like, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, f- I felt uh, more invested in him than I kind of expected it i would be to be yeah honest. i was more i was i was more invested in him here just in terms of like oh bummer like i had feelings about him i guess which i didn't really have throughout the rest of this book i was like this dude kind of stinks uh but here i was like oof this kind of sucks yeah for him. did you uh did you have feelings for this man no i just i you know i wouldn't say he's a super fleshed out character but i had more feelings than i thought and that's all i was really remarking on you know yeah yeah i was definitely did not want him to eat the duck you know i was like oh i hope he doesn't bite it you know yeah. i was swept up in the moment as i was, I was I, it was working is what i'm saying you yeah. know uh we're moving on to the kachain chamal section of the battle yes uh sag chirac gunthmok i fu- i didn't we do something where like we said something about sag chirac and gunthmok they're such great names but you I- were just you were just saying sag chirac you were just yeah something like that i guess um and predictably does not go well for the gang (laughs) it does not go well for the gang yeah these things are pretty fucking wild now aren't they yeah uh and honestly i was surprised that red mask (sighs) allowed them to retreat Mm. hi india's back hello so india pete and i were just talking about the battle and how they spent a lot of time talking about like the exact placement of all of these soldiers and stuff. What do you think about this battle? It really was going pretty bad. Yeah, and I don't 
I, as we all know, I really hate battle scenes. I think they're usually very boring. And in my, I guess, did you guys like this one? Were you guys super into it? I wasn't super uh, into it. I, 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 I think, I think it was okay. Yeah, they're just yeah. not my favorite scenes. I find them like I don't know, hard to read and like. Yeah, this is a well documented India intake. opinion intake. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't know. It was fine. I don't really have a lot of thoughts about it. Yeah, I didn't think it was a particularly good battle or anything. But so the the Lethary retreat, Red Mask feels like he's had a a, a great success, and uh, that's the last we see of that. Uh, and let's hop, I guess, back, and then we'll just talk right through it. All the Twilight stuff. Uh, Twilight arrives at uh, Boral Keep. Sees some shake wish witches, uh, pulley and squish, which are pulley and really good names, really, really good names. And Pete, I think I'm going to ask you to take some of the reins here because like this part kind of confused me a bit that they uh, pulley and shake squish say some stuff. They have talent. So they're wins and they're witches. Yes. As we all know. Yeah. They explain that uh, Twilight is a princess, but now a, a queen. She's the queen. Died. Yes. And she, th- yeah. these witches have kind of been cursing the leader, the Lefairy. Okay. And then, so then Twilight has a half-brother. Yes. The best boy, boyfriend number one, yet in Derig. <laughs> um, and he's, he's part of the watch, so he just hangs out and watches. That's his thing. Uh-huh. Yes. And so his, his name is not the watch. No, there's like kind of a position. You'll see. It, it's a thing. He watches. Okay. That's his, that's what I. That's his. I was kind of confused if if his whole if his whole group was called the Watch or if he himself was the Watch or or whatever. But okay, if it gets cleared up, that's fine. So I think that should clear it up. Yeah, there's some. Other yeah, that's stuff, that's pretty but... much good. I, I she the the I was just the way that the uh, uh, pulley and, and squish were talking was kind of throwing me for a loop a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, like I totally missed the they were cursing the the leader of the, the lethary. I thought that they were like, I don't know, somehow their own. It doesn't matter anyway. OK, yeah. So Twilight is the queen now and is apparently betrothed to uh, Shake Bullyig, who is uh, who Shirk is trying to go see. So that's a fun overlap. If we get some Twilight Shirk action, that's great. I'm very excited for that. But India, what do you what did you think? What did you think about this? Uh, you know, Twilight's a queen now. She's not she's not just a, a soldier. They came out of left field. Am I right? Yeah, Who I feel like we got a, there's a big lore dump of a bunch of what shakes are and and stuff. I don't know what a shake is. Does anyone? It's these people. I know it's a type of person. Yeah, that's, yes, that's all yeah. it is. Yeah, they've got um, witches. Yeah, so talent. I feel like they're cool. I don't know, will that change anything about like her current position? And will she have to stay ever? Will she go back? Yes, Did she know think- she was a shake. Yes. So she definitely knew she was a shake. And when she's talking about like when she's giving the kind of lore dump of like what the shakes are and what has happened, um, she says she wishes that the the Lethary like completely wiped out the shake. I for reasons that I'm kind of unclear why. But since they didn't, she has tried her best to make her whole battalion, like all of her soldiers and the people that work under her have at least some shake blood in them which I don't know how it's I don't know how you confirm such a thing. So I guess now I think now that she's kind of queen and she's met up with her half brother, who is the watch and stuff. I don't know if she's just going to be like, hey, everybody who who works for me with the Lethary, we're all we're the shake army now because you all have some shake blood. 
Right. Um, I'm not fully sure if that's what's going to happen or or what. Uh, but I guess that's on the table now. I just feel glad that we can at least get to the shake stuff and you can know that Twilight's related to the shake stuff because when Twilight's just have has been off on like nowhere land, yeah, I've just felt like, oh, it's like we're here. Finally, you can understand <laughs> Twilight rules. That's her thing. Yeah, well, yeah, well, when we first met Twilight in Midnight Tides and she sees the sea demon do its thing, I was like, this... You know, this general, whatever, yeah. we're never going to meet them. They're going to die. Exactly. Um, and I was so there. I was, on my I, face. I, because I, I, I went on a similar thing. And, but I was like, fuck yeah, Twilight's here. It's time. But, yeah. You know, that's what happens when characters are across multiple books. So, <laughs> yeah. And I guess before we, we finish off the end of this chapter, just one more clarification, Pete. Sure. I don't know. You feel free to no comment, I guess. But, why do some of them have demon blood? Ah, no comment. <laughs> I uh, that's okay. I don't really want to talk about more details about the shake, but okay, because <clears throat> man, that was confusing. I just that feel, some it, of them it, had demon blood, but like it, too should, much blood would. You should let it grow. You know, it's like we're just learning. Yeah, we're just enough. getting to learn the shake. You know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I wasn't sure how deep we were going to get, and I don't know why I would assume we wouldn't get any deeper. But um, um, okay, cool. I want to ask mm. you guys this end of the end of the show josh isn't here what's your least favorite thing about josh? what's your least favorite thing about josh <laughs> india you go first um, um i know <laughs> uh, so uh josh doesn't even listen i think we could but <laughs> josh if you listen to this i'll venmo you 20 bucks nice yeah nice. oh yeah me too i please i will not do that that is not someone anyway well what i want to ask uh was you know, the Malazans are coming. The Malazans are coming. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a fire over the ridge. They go, they see a bunch of ships on fire, and the Malazan have arrived. So no, sorry. The Malazans are on our shore. So so what do you think? The Malazan are on our shore. They finally come to bring some order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like obviously pretty ominous. And just to be clear, their ships were on fire, right? If there's one thing that's a cure for empire, it's more empire. That was a dodge. <laughs> that was a dodge for your question. If that was the answer, so now you that can't tell me. Okay, now that we are going um, into, you know, a lot of the times I'm just not answering your questions for fun. Just so you know. <laughs> um, okay. Just so you know, what I wanted to ask was: so India, we were talking about this earlier. You felt like maybe that the Malazans entering the book is going to kind of change the rhythm of the book or the pacing of the book? Yes. Here's what's going to happen. Right now, we have like five different armies, and it's just like, okay. I feel like the Malazans... Wait, hello. Which Malazans? Are these like, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? I think it is. I think it is. I think it's, yeah, I think Tavor. they, what's her name? And the, Tavor and the Bonehunters. That's it, Tavor. Tav Damn. Um, yeah, I think it's Tavor and crew, and I think that they are going to, I don't know, I don't know, I don't even know what they're doing there. They're just yeah. fleeing, so who are they going to flee to? Where are they going to flee to? Are they going to have to fight because people want to kill them? There's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts here, to be honest. I have yeah. no fucking idea where who are they landing near? So they're on the coast. Uh, I actually didn't. That's, that's a good time to check the map. They're on the coast. 
near Boral Keep. Ooh, so uh, they are going to be, so they're going to meet Twilight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or at least Twilight's going to watch them do whatever they're going to do. Maybe they're going to become, maybe they're going to be like, hey, we'll come with you guys. <laughs> hey, maybe. You know what? Maybe. Um, Chaos ensues. That's what's going to happen, Peter. Yeah. AJ, do you have anything to add? No, so I think I think what's going to happen is we're going to cut over to the Malazan point of view in the beginning of the next book, and it's going to be like, oh, fuck, we just traveled through this Warren, but we, we fucked it up, and where are we? I don't even know where we ended up. Like, it's going to be like a complete accident that they show up on Lethris, mm. uh, and that's why their ships are on fire, but Pete won't tell me whether the ships are actually on fire or not. So I, that's that's what I think happened. They they tried to travel through the, the Imperial Warren, and... Didn't weren't sure where they're going to end up because the Pier and Warren's on on fire or something. Maybe I don't know, um, but I think it was an accident. I don't think they're here on purpose. Well, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. So next episode, I'm back to hosting, baby. <laughs> Chapters yeah. 13 and 14. We've completed this cycle. Yeah, we've done it. What do you what a quick, quick check in? What do you guys think? How are you feeling? How do you feel? Inge? I'm feeling exhausted. Um, this book is good, though. It's a pretty good book. I like it a lot. How do you feel yeah. about this hosting switch up? I love the hosting switch up kind of. I think it's fun. How do you feel, AJ? I know you were a little nervous about today. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just personally nervous. I think it was fine. (laughs) No, I feel like I feel like how I assume you feel is when once we once we finish recording, I'll be like, man, that stunk. And then I'll edit it and it'll just be a perfectly normal episode. Yeah, I Um, I feel that I've walked away from so many episodes being like, well, that one was a total bummer. That was a waste (laughs) of space. And then I listen. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It was about normal. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty average episode. Yeah. Um, so I feel like our record's pretty good with average episodes. Yeah, I, I I I agree. We somewhat add low. I don't I don't I don't feel like this is going to be the ener- the episode too. I feel like we are a little a low energy I don't today. Think these oh, we were missing were it. that great though. Like, that's, I that's how I feel. I know you were super hot on them, AJ. I feel like this was just normal. Like, you know, we're halfway we're through building. The, yeah, we're halfway through the book. People are talking to other people about why life sucks and there's a quest and we're going to learn about why an army went somewhere. You know, I don't know. There were just so many moments in these chapters where, where I was like, what? Like m- multiple. It was not just like one or two, like like five or six, like just things kept happening. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I AJ, I'm glad you're vibing. I'm not trying to take it away from you. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Thanks. So, but I'm liking the, I'm liking the hosting switch up. I think it's a I think it's a good time. I haven't edited Josh's episode yet, but I'm assuming that that'll be also as as uh, exciting as India's was. Yeah, and um, I we've received f- some feedback, and uh, I think we're probably going to do at least this through this season. But definitely, mm-hmm. we're going to be interested in hearing what everyone has to say. Yeah, going thank into you for everyone going into book eight, I feel like that'll be a cleaner time to decide whether we want to keep doing this or kind of go back yeah. to. Yeah, thank you for everybody on the Discord and stuff uh, who has given feedback. Uh, everyone is being very, very kind and and uh, warm and welcoming to India's uh, hosting. So hopefully that continues throughout the next. But hey, if you hate Josh and I talking, then then <laughs> let us know and we'll we'll switch it up maybe. But other than that, the Malazans are on our shores, baby. The Malazans are on our shores. We'll see you in two weeks. When I say Gaba, you say Ghoul. Gaba. Ghoul. Ghoul.